Jesus, we love you tonight. We praise your name, God. Would you continue to worship? Would you continue to bless his name? We bless your name, God. May your kingdom be established in this room tonight. May your kingdom be established in this room tonight. May your will be done in this room tonight. May your name be known in this community through this church. May your name be known. Jesus, we praise you. Would you put your hand on someone next to you, whatever's appropriate, and would you begin to minister to each other right now? I'm not trying to buy time. It's Wednesday. I know you're on a schedule. But may we never rush a move. your ministry flow through this church. Let your ministry flow through this church. Ministry is more than just a pulpit. It's more than just a stage. It should go outside of these walls. that we can remain in this atmosphere. I appreciate this church. I appreciate our pastor. I pray his protection while he travels over him and his family. And that God would give them strength and reward their efforts for what they're doing for the kingdom. Give honor to all of our elders. Hyphen. I love you. Thank you for what you're doing. This church needs you. Young adults, this church needs you. Young couples, this church needs you. Youth group, student group, this church needs you. Elders, they need you to be behind them. We need each other. You can't do it alone. I don't care what you say or think. You are not designed to do it alone. I'm not designed. I'm going to go to John 19, verses 17 through 18. 
Do you love your church? This is the best church on earth. I'm going to read the first part of this text through the ESV, just for one word only, really, is why I wanted to do it. It says, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side. And Jesus, this word right here, the only reason I'm reading ESV, Jesus between them. And the end is what I want to talk about, the end of that verse. Jesus was between thieves. You can be seated. This text takes us to an unpopular place. John takes us here to a foothill outside of Jerusalem where women can be heard crying. Soldiers can be heard mocking, and a few hundred yards away, there's a man named Joseph. He's from Arimathea, and he is preparing a tomb, his own personal tomb, for the dead body of Jesus that will be placed there in just a few hours. This is not a place where you see smiles. It's not a place where you hear laughing. It's not a place of joy. It's not a place of celebration, but it's a place of sacrifice, And at the foot of the cross in John 19, because when Jesus had a chance to call down 10,000 angels to bail him out, instead he decided when he saw you and when he saw me in his future, he decided he would pay the price. And for that, he stayed on the cross and he gave himself, himself as a ransom for you and for me. And while he was hanging there between heaven and between earth, they have mashed a crown of thorns into the side of his head. He's bleeding. His body's bruised. His body's swollen. And our Bible says above his head, there was a sign placed there by Pilate that said, Hail, King of the Jews. He's in pain. His mother Mary is crying on behalf of of her her son, his half-brother is standing there confused. This is supposed to be where humanity changes, but instead people are watching a horror scene play out before them. Isaiah said, when we saw him, there was no beauty that we should desire of him. This thing that we casually talk about, even sometimes argue over, even sometimes started wars over. It really goes back to that hillside that John is talking about in chapter 19. It is there on the hillside that this man, Jesus, who split time from AD, from B.C. to A.D., Jesus who came through the virgin womb of Mary, Jesus, the very image of God, the fullness of every prophetic announcement that was going to be made in the Old Testament, by every Old Testament prophet. He fulfilled it all. And this man is hanging on a cross on the side of a hill in Jerusalem. 
He's bleeding. He's dying. And while he's dying, John is standing there and he takes enough of a mental note to write in this gospel years later. He remembered that Jesus was hanging there. That's the easy part. But he took enough of a mental note to notice and to list that there were two thieves. One on his right side and a thief on his left side. And Jesus was in the middle. And, and looking at this and reading this, I think about the place we're in as nations and the place we're in in our nation and even in the church, even in our movement. Maybe sometimes we should be reminded where Jesus is and get back to Jesus. One of the greatest tools the enemy will use against the church is to create places of division and offense that people will migrate to and flock to. And if you want to know where Jesus is, he's not on either side. Jesus was always in the middle. He was always in the middle. There's a thief on the left. There's a thief on the right. And just because everybody's politically correct these days and everybody wants to correct you and be smarter than you, I looked up a definition of a thief. And it's exactly what you think a thief is. A thief is a thief. That's all it is. A thief will take something that doesn't belong to them. And most times, the thief doesn't want to take something... Um, that you have just because he wants it. Most of the time, they're going to take it just so they can sell it. They don't even really value what you have. They just want to offload it. And he doesn't want you to have it, so he, he wants to keep you from having joy. He wants to keep you from being secure in yourself, secure in your walk with God. He doesn't want you to have peace of your mind. A thief is a taker, and we're standing at the foot of Calvary, and there's a thief on the right, a thief on the left, and it really doesn't matter. Here's the, here's the interesting part. It really doesn't matter which thief you choose or which side you migrate to. Both sides are thieves. Both sides will take from you. Both sides will rob you of peace. Both sides will steal your joy. Both sides will try to steal your future. Both sides will try to steal unity out of a church. There was only one man that was hanging on the side of that hill that will bring you joy that is unspeakable and that is full of glory. Only one man on the side of that hill that will bring peace to your mind that passes all understanding. There's only one man on that hillside that will take a dirty heart that is stained with sin and everything else in the world and wash it in his red blood and make it whiter than snow. There's only one man who can do that, and it was the one in the middle.
And I'm looking at the one in the middle in this picture because he's the one that Isaiah said was on his way. And when he comes, he will be wounded for our transgressions. He will be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him. And by his stripes, we would be healed. That's the man in the middle. The one in the middle is the one who God told Abraham back in Genesis, he will have a bruised heel. But it will only be because with such force he will begin to crush the head of the serpent in your life that's the one in the middle but I ask this question if the one in the middle is the one that can save us if the one in the middle is the one that can heal us if the one in the middle middle is the one that can bring you out of all the darkness and the drama and the hell that you or you're in his light if he can bring you into all that then why do we come to the cross and start choosing sides why well this is my side over here this is my side. Well, I'm going to stay over here because this side, Roger, caters to me more. I want this side. But the thing is, Jesus is not on either side. How, 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 how crazy can we be to think he's on this side or he's on this side? He was always in the middle, but our problem is we keep saying we want, God, I want you to join my team. I want you to be on my side. And God is saying it's not about your side and it's not about their side. The question is, it's not what side am I on. The question is who is on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? And here's what you find out. About men on each side. Churches got them. They got people on both sides. They're thieves. Whether they're spiritual or not spiritual. They're thieves. And they will not only take your joy and take your peace and take your respect away for the leadership of a church, but they will also take your money. They will. We pay sides. We do. It, it's crazy. Tiptoe. It's crazy how many people will complain about having to support the kingdom. Well, let, let the NRA get in a bind. I'm, I'm playing. That, that was just an easy, low-hanging fruit. But we will support our sides in the natural, without hesitation. And I, I, I kind of feel like some people saying, well, I don't know what he's talking about. I can't really take notes. He's talking about sides. and Is he talking about politics? Is he talking about LSU and Alabama? What's he talking about? I, I can't understand it. I'm talking about anything that separates you and me from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Anything that you have to walk away from Jesus from to participate in is a side. 
the last two years, maybe three years, has made it so much easier for people to choose and migrate to sides rather than just meet Jesus in the middle. And we say stuff like, well, these people are so extreme. They're extremely left or they're extremely right. And I can't really get along with these people because they're extremely spiritual. Or these people are not spiritual enough for me. And I know I'm not very old. I'm just old enough to not be old. But, yeah, you know, I'm in the middle. I'm just right in the middle. But the older I get, even the more I parent, the more I see that the most extreme place is not over here and it's not over here. But the most extreme place in these times is right in the middle. And the thing is, how do I know it's extreme? Because nobody wants to be in the middle. But if you're going to be with Jesus, you're going to have to be in the middle. He's not over here. He's not over there. But his kingdom and him are right in the center of it all. Of it all. But we sit here on a Wednesday night thinking, well, that's cute. You were raised here. That's cute. We know where you're going. with That's how we think. Because that's how we've been programmed to think. We're traditional. But we're going to break it in the name of Jesus. We're going to break tradition off of this place. It will either change here or it will die here. But it's not going to live here. It shouldn't surprise us that Jesus was always in the middle. Because Luke 2 says that when he was a child... He went to the temple. And Mary and Joseph, after a day of traveling, who travels a day without realizing your kid's gone? After a day of traveling, they realize they hadn't seen him, so they start going through the caravan of relatives to look for him. So they travel back to Jerusalem to look for him. And where do they find him? Luke 2 and 46. In the middle of the temple, sitting in the middle of the teachers and the lawyers and the doctors as a 12-year-old boy, listening and asking questions, he was always in the middle. It shouldn't surprise us that Jesus is hanging in the middle because in Mark 4, the disciples did what? Get out into the middle of a lake. And after the sun went down, the storm began to blow. And what happened in the middle of the night? Jesus comes walking out into the middle of the storm and said, peace be to you. He stopped the storm. If you want to find peace, it won't be with this joker over here. It won't be with these clowns over here. If you want peace, you're going to have to have be in the middle. That's the only place. You've got to let the guy in the middle. Be in the middle of the mess with you. In, in, in Matthew 18 and 20, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. There I am in the middle of you. Why two or three or 80 or 150 or 200? Whenever you get people in a room, if you do not gather in the name 
of the one that was in the middle. I know the King James Version says the midst, but nobody over here says midst. You don't go to a restaurant and tell your kids, get in the midst of the table. No, you say sit in the middle of the table so I can keep an eye on you. So I'm going to say middle, but it's midst. I get it. But he said, I'll be in the middle. So where two or three are gathered in my name, I will meet them in the middle. But here's the problem. We got too many people gathering in the name of the thief on the left and in the name of the thief on the right. And the problem with, is, with that is neither of those thieves have a name. They don't have a name that can bring you deliverance. They don't have a name that can bring you healing. We have a generation, I feel for young people. I feel for my generation of young adults. I feel for that whole, that whole group. Because we have a generation of young people, young adults, young couples who are crawling in the bed with thieves trying to find some sort of validation for their life. But the thief on the left and on the right will pull you in. Take your joy. Take your peace out. But the man in the middle said, I'm so good that all you have to do is get two or three people together in my name. What name? Jesus. He said, if you'll gather in my name, I'll be in the middle of you. We don't have a problem gathering. But I wonder if we don't see the level of revival that we want to see because we're so busy gathering under the name of our sides. So I ask us tonight, what cross have you been gathering around? What cross? Have you been gathering around? Cross of friends, media, all this other stuff, religion. What is it? What cross? We have people and we have churches gathering around their crosses, even our, in our movement. They're gathering around their crosses of preference. Why do you think so many people church hop in this whole southwest region? Because it's easy and it's convenient. There's a church on every corner. If I don't like this, I'll go here. If I don't like that, I'll go here. Well, but problem is when you get here, they start trying to make it like where they came from. Because they never fixed their self. They just wanted a preference. When we're called to be people of the name. Well, I want to gather around this cross because the people at this cross look like me. People around this cross have my same skin color. That spirit has bound this region for so long, and people wonder why they can't have revival, because they never got out of their own skin. They never laid that down. I seen someone flying a Confederate flag a while back. I said, that's just like saying, hey, I got second place. It's pointless. But we've never got out of that mindset. I'm not being rude or cruel. But I live in a generation that is accepting, sometimes too accepting, too tolerant. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting out of our sides.
and joining in the middle. And we, we don't get away from our sides and we miss Jesus. But why? Because Jesus is so dedicated into loving humanity that he will not take himself off of a cross and go stand on that side or go stand on that side. But he will say, I'm going to stay nailed to my cross and you come sit at the foot of this cross. If we're going to experience the fullness of God, we're going to have to stop choosing and choose the man who was always in the middle. One day, one day I'm going to have to give an account for every word that I spoke over this pulpit, in that hyphen room, in that youth room, even in witnessing outside of this building. I'm going to have to give an account, and so will you, for every word that you said. And if we go out and we speak our soapbox, our spiritual soapbox to people, my way, my side, my thoughts, we may win people who like that side. You may win some, and you may feel really good about yourself by talking to someone who is just like you. You might win because they like that side. But in doing that, you will miss and hurt an entire group of people who didn't even know that side. We have way too many churches who are only about their side. I'm thankful that I'm under a pastor who realizes the importance of the middle. Who realizes the importance of the middle. Keegan, the reason you're facing such opposition as a sectional leader, for one, you didn't ask to be there. God hurled you into that. But the reason you're facing such opposition from certain little people is because you are living in the middle. And you're not extremely this way, and you're not extremely that way. You're in the middle. And people are scared of the middle. But I can tell you right now, stand up. Would you raise your, would you lift your hands toward Keegan? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting off course. Would you raise your hands and, towards Keegan and Natalie? They need protection, church. He's over a generation that a lot of, a lot of, olders don't have, a lot of older people don't have anything about what we're facing, what they're facing, and he is over it. And it's safe to say because he's in the middle. His family is fighting opposition. He's fighting opposition. Because you've lived in the middle, Keegan. But I'm telling you tonight, don't ever leave the middle. Don't ever back off. I need you to stay in the middle. This church needs you to stay in the middle. This movement needs you to stay in the middle. This world needs you to stay in the middle. And a lot of people, especially right now, I hear a lot of people, they want pastors to talk about politics so bad. They, they want them to. They'll try to bait them in. Well, why doesn't my pastor, I, I think about, I know our pastor don't. He laughs about it more than anything. 
well, why doesn't he talk about politics and all this other stuff going on? I'm thankful that he preaches the kingdom and only the kingdom. Why? Because he knows that the kingdom is the only safe place right now. Have you seen the world? Have you seen the right? Have you seen the left? It's not getting any better. It does not matter who is elected or reelected. It's not getting any better. It has to wrap up. So why not focus on the middle? Why not focus on the kingdom? Why not focus on the only thing that is going to last? For far too long, the church has been preaching sides, and she's given her voice to both thieves. Not this church. Not this generation. Not this people. Some of you don't even understand what I'm saying because you're looking at me cross-eyed. We will not give in to either side. We've turned Bible into sides. People say things, well, I'm Pentecostal, but I don't know about that whole apostolic thing. Those people are kind of crazy. We were happy being Pentecostal. We, were, we like the Pentecost movement. Dude. <laughs> I, I like that side. I like this side. I'm going to ask you to go home tonight and look in your Bible. Find it in your Bible. When you get to heaven, you will have a pew for that side, and you're going to have a pew for that side for those who believe this way and those believe who another way. You will never find one scripture where heaven will be anything but one people, washed in one blood, singing one name. And here we are. Here we are in America. Here we are in America arguing about our sides. I think some of us think Jesus is American. And here we are. Let me say this. He's red. He's yellow. He's black, he's white, because he created all, and he is all, and he's in all. So we might as well be in the middle. We're going to have to throw out traditional mindsets of who Jesus we thought he was. For who he is. Maybe what America needs from the church is for the church to point the nation, not to church, but to a kingdom that is not of this world. This world is not our home. But sometimes I wonder if the reason I get so frustrated with this world is if am I wanting this world to be the place that I'm longing to go? And it does not matter who we elect, reelect, this world will never be heaven. He was the only man on the hill that religious men said, kill him. And he said, if you follow me, they hated me. And if you follow me, really follow me in the middle, there's going to be those that hate you too. And I'll close with this. A story that we all know, but we look over it a lot in the Bible. I noticed that. 
I'll teach it to my kid, but then I won't really pay attention to it. The story of the Good Samaritan. Our kids know that story. But do we really know that story? And I've seen it in a different way the last time I looked into it. The first thing the Samaritan did to the man who was wounded. Before he moved him and brought him anywhere, the first thing he did was pour into his wounds the oil and the wine to heal them. And Indian Village, we're in a season of revival. We are. But God has been dealing with me, saying, I have not just given you oil and wine so you can just say we've got it and we've got God's favor. Why did they have oil and wine? The purpose of oil and wine was to be poured into the wounds to help heal them. The Samaritan healed the man that was wounded. And looking over this, I looked at my own heart. And I was never just filled with hate, but I thought about people in my past who I may have looked over or because they weren't on my side at the time and I, or I was in such a hurry to get to my destination and God is trying to prepare us for revival that is going to blow this community wide open. People are already talking about the cars in the parking lot. It's the talk of the village. We got the biggest parking lot in the village. There you go. They're already commenting on it. And God is saying this, though. Grace and anointing and oil is not so you can say, Indian Village has my favor. But that oil and that anointing that I gave you is to be able to bind up and heal the broken people who are walking through their doors every week. This world and the God of this world will do everything they can to pull us to sides. And if they can get us on different sides, the enemy knows that we will be lost and a people will be lost. But there was only one man who can heal this, who can fix this, who can restore you, who can make you whole. It isn't the one on the left and it isn't the one on the right. It's Jesus in the middle. Would you stand tonight? These altars are open. These altars are open. I ask that you would let conviction flow tonight. I know I am. Which cross are we gathering around tonight? Two thieves, one Savior. Maybe some of us originally ran to the cross to get our, our sins under the blood as if to say, for getting me out of hell but then you ran to a side and you stayed there and I say this in the fear of God and I'm stepping out of my comfort zone more than I should but there are preachers and churches who are choosing sides and trying to gather in other names disguising it as the name of Jesus. And they will be called into account by the King of glory. In this hour, it is treason to adopt a side. 
and leave Jesus in the middle. I will not do it. I will make sure my family knows that they cannot do it. I will make sure the hyphen group knows we cannot do it. And I will do my part to make sure this church knows. And I know this church is under a God-appointed leader who, even though he isn't here tonight, he would never leave a side, leave Jesus for a side. We can all say we stand for Jesus. But standing for Jesus and standing with him are two different things. Two different things. If we'll stick with Jesus, if we'll teach and preach the kingdom, if you'll go out and you'll witness, not church, but you'll witness the kingdom, if we'll just keep aligning our house with the kingdom, there are people coming who have tried every single side and neither side has been able to heal them. And when they come, my question to myself is, what will they find in this room? Will they find a church or will they find a kingdom in this room? Will they find a kingdom? He's in the middle tonight. He's in the middle. Is it just going to be just another Wednesday night altar call? Or does somebody have a true burden? to say I've been on a side and I want to see my family saved I want to see sickness healed I want my mind to be changed you're going to have to get in the middle you're going to have to get in the middle these altars are yours now
Would you begin to pray for one another? Tradition's trying to make you leave here without moving tonight. It's trying to make you leave without getting a conviction for something you've been dealing with. But I have to ask, who's the next person to kill themselves because we wouldn't get out of a side? Who's the next person that's going to go to hell because we wouldn't get a conviction? Who's the next person to be lost in drug addiction because they came to try this and all they found was sides? Who's the next person to die of an overdose because all they seen was sides when they were looking for the kingdom? The enemy's not going to stop Indian Village. The enemy's not going to stop. Hyphen, I need your strength right now. This church needs your strength. How hard are we going to press? The enemy's not going to let up on your sons. He's not going to let up on your daughters. What does it take to get a conviction for that? Tradition has to die. It has to die. Offense has to die. You can't carry that. someone begin to intercede for him? Would you begin to step in the gap for that one? Would you step in the gap for that one? I'm not trying to manufacture anything. But there's a move that is trying to take place tonight. Some of us are going to have to push. If you need to leave, you can leave. But there's an apostolic anointing that is trying to fall in this place for the lost. For the hurting. For the ones that don't smell like you. The ones that don't look like you. The ones that don't agree with your theories. The ones that don't agree with your political views, you're supposed to intercede those anyway.
can't say it anymore. There's someone in here who is feeling the need to intercede right now. But you're insecure about it. You want to lift your voice above everything else. And I'm trying to confirm to you that it's in the will of God that someone cries out and intercedes for someone. You don't know who you're interceding for. We've lost too many people. We've almost lost my entire generation that was raised in this. Is it because we were too stubborn to get out of a sight? And just be in the middle. hear you intercede let the kingdom hear you intercede Indian village our kids our babies must be raised in a kingdom church they must be brought up in a kingdom church they need to see prayer warriors they need to hear elders cry out 